Hey everyone, Wilmgard here with Mini. Hey guys. And this is the FFBE podcast. Today, we're going to be covering things like the new highly anticipated uh, banner featuring Axstar, as well as a very unexpected unit, Xeno of the Beta Star, which is very exciting. Yeah, nobody really saw this coming. We all thought Axstar would just be on his own banner, but we got an extra guy in there. Yeah, it's pretty pretty exciting to see that we're getting another global exclusive unit coming at us, and we'll talk about him a little later in the show. As per usual, let's discuss what we've done this past week, Mini. The farming event, the King Mog, has been really, really generous just because of all the free bonus units. So I managed to clear almost everything I wanted in one week. Once I got that done, I just started spamming the Axstar story when it went live, so I'm almost done that as well. And it's overall just been a pretty, I don't know, standard week. What about you? Yeah, same. I was very surprised by how easy it was to farm the Dwarven Castle or whatever, the Final Fantasy IV event. Um, It was extremely easy to get enough resources. I cleared everything out like you in about a week. Well, not everything, but everything I wanted. So that was really good. And then I've started up on Axstar's story event. I focused first on clearing the main story, which I'm almost done, but will hopefully finish that this week as well because not having to farm like crazy is going to be nice yeah absolutely for some of our fans out there i also did get a very specific unit on my 10 plus one poll i got onion knight refia so this week is another week of onions yeah i saw that how was your 10 plus one poll mini mine was pretty good i got a lot of trust coin fodder So that'll be nice. A nice investment for the future. Yeah, it's nice because you can now use those. It's not as bad as it used to be when I'd get those units. I'd be like, man, I already have that TMR. What am I going to do with this? Whatever. But now you can kind of convert them into trust coins after you max them out and make a lot better use of it. So it's not as bad as it used to be. Yeah, absolutely. Did you experience any of the crystals breaking into higher end crystals like three star to four star? In your 10 plus one? <laughs> no. Because no? that, that was yeah, I got one yellow. I got one yellow and 10 blues. Rip. I had one crystal upgrade to a yellow crystal, which was pretty cool to see because uh, that is a yeah, new thing really they cool. added. Besides that, there's not a whole lot else that happened this past week. Final Fantasy IV was pretty much a rerun event, and we are getting the trial coming up. So before we talk about that, let's get into the show. All right, Minnie, a few things to just quickly let people know about. The Vault of Hidden Treasures coming back at us once a day for a little while this week. I think it's here just for the weekend. So we got today, tomorrow, and I don't know if it ends on Monday or if it's going to be available on Monday as well. But either way, it's it's only here for a short time, so take advantage. You can definitely get a lot of nice stuff out of it. And uh, if you have a Zahn, bring him along because he can steal a good chunk of gil. I think it adds up to over 100,000 if you add it all up. So that's really nice. Yeah, you can get a crazy amount of gil through all of this, plus a lot of free pots. And if you're a relatively newer player, you probably don't have a lot stocked up. So when you are pulling for some of the new amazing units it's nice to have these king pots to max them out pretty quickly yeah definitely the other event mentioned it just a few minutes ago 
is the Dwarven Castle, where you challenge Golbez and the Shadow Dragon. Yeah, this one is basically a rerun of, I don't know, I think I remember doing this before. That might just be me making it up, but I feel like it's a rerun. The stats on the boss are not very high, and it's honestly very, very easy to kill. Most players are going to just have challenges, I think, summoning the Esper or killing him with an Esper or whatever because he just dies so easily. But yeah, I mean, overall, the last few trial fights or whatever have been very, very simple. This one was actually particularly funny to me. So as you mentioned, I'm pretty sure it's a rerun of the exact same thing we had last time this event was here based on the stats, like you said. I had a particularly difficult time summoning out my Esper because I thought I could auto it because I go in blind to all these things. I thought they'd have decent amounts of HP or like decent defensive stats. So I literally just auto attacked with my Esther and it brought it down to half health pretty much. I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. oh crap, I'm going to really have to slow this down. So it was tricky getting that Esper out in time. Yeah, it's funny because you probably would have killed him with just your autos, but he locks his HP at 49%. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he he's a piece of paper by today's standards. He was pretty tough when he actually came out originally, but right now anybody should be able to really do this. The only thing to kind of watch out for is the Shadow Dragon he summons. It, in, it insta-kills one unit per turn, and it's not insta-death. He just does a lot of damage to one unit he basically does a million fixed damage the nice thing about it is that you can actually use the passive where you survive with one hp if you're taken down really low um so that happened to me during the fight so can be useful but it's overall a very easy fight especially with the units that we have in today's day and age any seven star dps can completely crush this as long as you have i don't know half decent equipment yeah, especially if you have one of the newer 7-star DPS that came out recently. They really have so much passive attack in their kits that you really just need to equip them with any kind of sword and they're going to get enough AD probably to to be able to carry this one. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a very easy fight, even just with one of the newer units. As last time, you are able to get the Shadow Dragon Scale, which in recent times there are better pieces of accessory but the nice thing that it does give is 30 mag of course which is not horrible but then the 30 percent dark resist so if you don't have one of these or if you already have one picking up a second one can be nice for buffing up your team's resistances in future trials yeah i remember using the first shadow dragon scale quite a lot on my mages you're right though by today's standards it's been sort of left behind a little bit it's still very useful but most mages have better accessories to use right now. But, you know, there's nothing wrong. It's an easy trial. You get it just for completing it. So just pick one up. You never know when that 30% dark resist will come in handy. Can be very useful going forward. If we ever get like an Anima three-star trial or something like that where you need extra dark resist, I always take elemental resistances where you can get them. Yeah, absolutely. That's enough about that trial. I think we've kind of uh, covered it all pretty thoroughly. Give it a go. It shouldn't be too difficult. If you guys are having some trouble, hit us up. I think we both have an Esther that can solo it, so just let us know and we'll hook you up. Next, we have the story event, which is featuring Axstar. 
uh, the unit that everyone has been excited for. It's called Out for Vengeance. Yeah, and just to briefly mention, there is also a separate battle you could do that showcases Axstar a little bit. So you can pick up a couple summon tickets out of that, which is very, very nice. So definitely do that. It's a very easy mission. It's basically designed just to show you some of the cool stuff around Axstar. All of the CG units have this, so you get a chance to try out their limit burst and kind of see that. So it's basically free gifts for the community. So definitely jump in and pick that up. Don't miss out on it. And you don't want to miss out on that CG limit movie because that thing looks awesome. Yeah. I mean, they all look good, but Axstar is just because Samurais, it's hard for Samurais to not look awesome. Exactly. I have a, I have a weird liking for especially one-armed Samurais, apparently. Moving on to the actual story event, what are your initial thoughts of maybe just the first few? I don't want to like spoil things for people who haven't done it, but maybe just those first uh, couple nodes if you've done them. It's okay so far. I, I'm enjoying Tomoe and her kind of story. The Axstar part, it's kind of interesting. It shows a different side of his personality because throughout the main story, he's very, very serious from beginning to end. And even up to the end of the last season, he's very mysterious, he's very secretive. And then you kind of get into this story in the first couple of missions, and he's just very bored. He's looking to kill time, which seems kind of out of character for him, but who knows. And, I mean, overall, it's okay. The The first little bit, it's it's nothing special, but it's, it's all right. I'll probably have a better judgment when I finish the whole thing. By next week i was but. gonna say i'm hoping similar to the rain slash crimson story event at the beginning it seemed kind of like the first node seemed pretty vanilla but then it kind of picked up and made uh, a much better impact or a much more a much in, more intense impact on people so i'm hoping this story as well kind of in those last few nodes picks up and really gives us something to be excited for something interesting something knew that we can learn about Axstar, the very, very mysterious swordsman. Yeah, definitely. There's a few pieces of equipment you can pick up here. One of them is the Lawless Blades, which is a katana. They, the useless blades, more like. They are pretty useless. Only 71 attack is very low, honestly, for most weapons. I think we mentioned this last week as well. You can pick up Masamune from the first iteration of the Gilgamesh trial, which is what is 105, 106 attack. Very easy to pick up. The only thing this gives you is allows your it allows your normal attack to hit twice, which again is very useless. You really want to make use of the modifiers on actual abilities, so I don't really see any use for this katana. If you're brand new, no. 71 attack katana is not horrible. Like literally, if you started yesterday. Um, other than that, I don't see any use for it. Yeah, I agree. I I just don't see why this is even in the game when we already have Masamune, we have Genji Blade, we have last week's War Blade or whatever. They're all more useful than this thing. The passive is just kind of troll, honestly. Yeah, the passive just makes fights last longer in regular missions because I have to sit there and watch the person attack uh, two to four times depending on if they're dual wielding. Yeah, that's basically what it's good for. Or trolling an arena, making your opponent wait. Yeah, I guess so. There's the there's the real use. Maybe your opponent will give up because he has to sit there and watch you attack like nine times, depending yep. on your equipment. The other piece of equipment in this event is fantastic. 
the jet black eye patch. It is a hat, technically, and it gives you 18 attack, 15% HP, which is nice overall on a hat, but then it gives you that 5% evasion, which is pretty rare on the hat slot. Yeah, it's pretty good overall, especially given that it's a free accessory. You will have to farm out the materials to get it, but... Uh, yeah, I like this one. It's the only quibble I have with it is that somehow losing an eye makes you better at evading things. I don't know how that works, but as as a as an actual item, I think it's very very good. The only one caveat I would say is the evasion it gives you is crisis evasion, which does not stack with other forms of crisis evasion. So we have some other accessories and shields and things like that that give you crisis evasion as a passive. Just make sure when you are building your evade tanks that you're not using more than one piece of armor with crisis evasion because it's not going to do anything for you. Yeah, you got to be careful when you're building it. Make sure it's not the exact same ability because, unfortunately, each ability can only give you that passive effect once. Now, regular evasion can stack. So you can stack like four evade materials or whatever or armor that just has evade on it. But crisis evasion in particular, I don't know why, just doesn't stack with other crisis evasions. I think it's because they converted it into kind of like an ability, similar to how if you cast 100% buff, Casting a second 100% buff does nothing. Could be. I Who think knows? maybe that's how it's coded in. Um, but either way, it's just something to keep in mind when you're building out your evade tanks. Although I don't imagine you'd be using an 18 attack. Well, the HP is nice, actually. I shouldn't say that. Overall, a piece of great equipment. Although a little weird that an eye patch increases your evasion, like you said. But it's still very good. Yeah, absolutely. Now we have quite a few units on this banner. There are five total units. So we, I think we should just get started on talking about those. Yeah, let's go. Our first unit, the three star of the banner, an Aroma Master, Majora. Yeah, Majora plays a fairly important role in the actual story. And she comes with the Mystical Incense Burner, which I think overall it's okay. I like the HP and MP passives on it. I like the auto refresh. Over, like I, the as a TMR, it it's not game changing, but it's it's a nice pickup to see on a a three star unit. This TMR I feel would be very good for support units who are casting very high MP skills frequently. So like if you're spending 120 yeah. MP, getting that 20% MP plus the auto refresh in there is nice, and then it makes them a little bit tankier. Yeah, and I mean these kinds of TMRs that give you kind of off stats are going to become more, I guess, usable as we start to get more and more of these units that are very self-sufficient, like Esther or Axtar or the new unit that we're going to talk about. These units have a lot of passive stats in their kit, and it's very easy to max their stats with just with having spare slots left over. So it's really nice to have something like this where you could maybe get in at, make your units a bit tankier or for those triple cast quadra cast units give them that 20 percent extra mp that could help them out a lot to keep casting their abilities so it's not horrible overall i don't mind this tmr i've seen worse for sure now her actual abilities are okay as a breaker as a three star base unit getting a 55 percent break yes it's one turn it's aoe it's not horrible getting that 45 percent break like i said 
for just a three star, not terrible. Yeah, I mean, she's an ailment user. Uh, outside of her breaks, she doesn't have much. She she does have a stacking chain capping move. I love that it it's seventeen times and it only goes up point two five each stack. I know that's pretty pathetic. <laughs> you literally have to be in the battle for at least eighteen turns to make any use of it. Yeah, you're fighting the what's his name, a guy on arm. Yeah, or you're in there for three hundred turns. Finally, I can use my full power. Yeah, exactly. The other thing that she does come with is a limit burst which has a chance to increase uh sorry has a chance to inflict four statuses it's not amazing though it's only a 69 percent chance at maxed out lb yeah i thought it was very lackluster given how difficult it is to even use status ailment units yeah statuses are very useless even in arena they're becoming pretty much useless unless it's stop because most units can just everybody brings a healer you can just easily remove almost any status, even stop sometimes. It depends who your healer is. So I think seeing it at 69% when you max out the limit burst is actually sad. If you look at some units, they have that as a skill. Maybe not four ailments, but you know two ailments or three that are guaranteed just on one of their skills, not even a limit burst. So yeah, it's kind of sad <laughs> yeah it's very depressing overall her kit is pretty useless outside of that minimal amount of break it's like your baseline level of breaking so if you literally have nothing she can function a little bit for you as a new player otherwise very useless in terms of her kit our next unit gravy a very interesting character to be honest yeah he's a cowboy samurai it's so weird i never i would have never imagined seeing something like this I think there's a part in the story where they call him out on it. Yeah, some weirdo samurai guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of, in the story, he's kind of a weirdo. Um, his sprite definitely makes him look like a weirdo. His TMR is actually, I think, better than some five star TMRs. His TMR is it's disgusting. Actually insane. Yeah, 50% attack for using a katana, 20% extra attack for wearing clothes. So very easy to get both of these trigger for a nice 70% attack from one materia slot. Definitely insane. Pick this thing up if you're going to be pulling for Axtar, for Xeno, or even if you're still running with like Sephiroth or somebody. This like is any perfect Katana user, yeah. this is fantastic. It's literally a perfect tmr for a katana user and it's sitting on a four star unit the chances you'll get this guy if you are pulling on the step up or pulling for ax stars you know pretty high pretty high yeah for sure how about his kit what do you think of his kit in comparison to our previous unit i guess i feel he has a lot more use yeah it's okay he he does have an interesting couple mechanics where he can hurt his own allies to give himself benefits um, but it's nothing too crazy. I like that he has he can self imbue, which kind of gives him gives him access to some of those nice untyped katanas. And but otherwise, he he seems like a pretty standard katana using chain capper. Yeah, definitely. Like in, you know, he's a four star. As a four star, he is I think more than okay. It's nice that he has built in dual wield for katanas which you'll probably be using on this guy anyways because of his passives if you are using four star units still as your dps he also has that uh fire imperil of 50 percent, which is nice you don't see that a whole lot on lower level units so he does get a little bit of use in that way which is very nice 
Yeah, definitely. Overall, though, literally, if you have any five-star base slash seven-star units, they're going to severely outdamage him. It's not even a contest whatsoever, so it's tough to really get excited about him, but if you're new, he does have a lot of use. He's one of the better four-star uh, DPS chain cappers. Mm-hmm. Definitely. He also comes with a nice break on his limit burst if you do max that out and you are using him. 69% defense break is nice, can increase a lot of your damage, makes a huge difference. But overall, that's gravy, in my opinion, for most players. He's a TMR container that disparate swordsman is fantastic. Next, our main girl, Tomoe. I think she's my favorite unit to come out of the story. And it really, the story is more about her than it is about Axtar, which is kind of interesting. Um, I love her design. I I think they nailed it. Like, the, the sprite is just, it looks great. And then her TMR is just, it's the new best two-handed gun. I think it kind of uh, removes Machine Gun Plus from the the throne. I don't know how many, maybe Balthier. There's a I don't know few. who else is really a great gun user. Um, There's a few units who might be able Pronto. to use it. Yeah, Nocto. Or what am I saying? Nocto. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a couple of them. They're not too prominent in the meta, which sucks. Uh, you don't get a lot of really high damage gun users. I think the best one is probably pro- uh, Balthier right now since his Awakenings. Uh, but it does increase your accuracy by 70%, so it can be very useful in the arena as well. Yeah, it can help you get through some of those dodge units for sure. As far as her kit goes, very similar to the other units. Good for a four-star base. I think she can, with her modifier, she does a decent amount of damage overall, especially with her little stacking, sorry, not stacking mechanic, her multi-hit mechanic. You can get a decent amount of damage out of that. Overall, though, I don't think she does that well as a DPS. I mean, she's nothing special. She's a, just basically another chain capper at four star. There's, you know, she's never going to have the modifiers to keep up with five star base units. Exactly. And like I was saying, very similar to Gravy, a chain capper, four star base. They do it a little bit differently. Overall, the same outcome. Decent if you're relatively new. If you have anything that's five star or above base, you you're good. Like you you have something better already. Now onto these final two units that I think one of them everyone was extremely looking forward to, and the other one that nobody knew was coming. Which one would you like to discuss first, Mini? Well, let's talk about Axstar because he's sort of the one who everybody did see coming. Sure, we'll kick it off with Axstar. He is coming in with only one arm, so he can't dual wield, unfortunately. But he does have, could you, I'm pretty sure it's going to be funny because you can actually dual wield with him, but he only has one arm. It would have been hilarious for lore's sake if they made him incapable of dual wielding. Yeah, I mean, it would have been hilarious if there was another Axtar unit that just primarily dual wields, even though he's got one arm. How does he do it? What a master. I know, it's crazy. His TMR, Rush Glove pretty good overall Uh, i think it gives you a lot of stats built in so you're getting 40 attack increased equipment attack by 50 percent as well as some accuracy very similar to martial glove but on top of that it also gives you some lb gauge fill rate which is nice yeah so martial glove kind of gives you lb per turn 
whereas Rush Glove will give you just high tide, basically. So that's the difference. Otherwise, they're basically the same piece of equipment. They have the exact same stats. Exactly. And we also have his STMR, Ashen Ember. It's his katana. And I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's one of the first times I'm seeing a katana with above 100%, like a nice above average, I guess, damage range. Yeah, but that comes as a, because it's a two-handed weapon. So it's one of the first very good two-handed katanas we have in the game. It's probably, for Axtar himself, one of the best weapons he could actually equip. Yeah, it's pretty wild how good it is for him specifically, but overall a fantastic katana. Another weird thing that I'm going to point out, it's a two-handed weapon. He wields it with one arm. This guy has the strongest arm in the world. Oh, yeah, because he lost the other arm, so all that strength goes into the remaining arm. That's probably how he lost it. He, his one arm just absorbed the other one for efficiency. Yeah, <laughs> for that extra true double-hand power. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He has a lot of really good abilities, and I think for the first time we're going to see increasing modifiers being a crux of his rotation. So let's get into his abilities a little bit. Sure. To start it off, I mean, he has a lot of different chaining families. He's getting Divine Ruination, of course, the Absolute Mirror of Equity or Absolute Tranquility, as some people call it as well as Oriole Ray. So three very good chaining families, chaining with a lot of the best DPS units of today. So he's very versatile. You can use him with many, many different friend units or even your own units that you might already own. So I think that puts him really high up there in the DPS wheel, Out like not even taking into consideration his actual full damage output, just the fact that he can help so many people chain amazing but on top of that he does have actually very very good damage output um he gets better as the battle goes on so to speak because of his stacking mechanic he he's got that self imbue that we are starting to see more and more on a lot of uh physical attackers so allowing them to take advantage of those untyped weapons it's interesting to see that he uses both uh, ice imbue as well as fire imbue. Mm-hmm. Very reminiscent of Laswell as well as I think Crimson had this ability as well, if I'm not mistaken. So a lot of units we've seen have this or in recent times. So it's nice to see him coming with the same thing. Two different elements he can be doing, which is going to significantly increase the damage by elemental chaining. He also has double cast built in at six star so even as a six star unit you can do a lot of damage with that double cast ability but let's get into i think a little bit of his rotation because there is a lot of abilities he uses that increases modifiers and kind of really ramp up his damage yeah it doesn't seem like he's as straightforward to use as some of the previous damage dealers where you really only have to worry about one or two abilities it seems like with axtar you want to use some of his other abilities first before you jump into his main damaging abilities. <clears throat> exactly. And some of those abilities you want to start with are his cooldown abilities. For example, I think starting with Perfect Void, it's not only going to give him 250% uh, attack increase for 5 turns, it's also going to increase the damage modifier by 0.5 most of his other dps like the main abilities you're going to be using which can be significant because you can actually stack these up and then it also gives him access to triple cast which a lot of dps units have triple cast these days i know heo as well as a bunch of others 
He's going to have this for five turns. He's going to be able to triple cast for five turns straight, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, he's one of the first units we're getting that is going to have such a high uptime on his triple cast. Um, I know Esther also has really high uptime on hers, but she's kind of up there in the top echelon of DPS along with Axtar. Exactly. So you can actually dual cast his cooldown abilities, which might not be a bad thing to do. They both give you really good modifiers, increase his stats, kind of everything you'd want out of out of cooldown abilities, plus kind of set you up yeah. for the rest of his rotation. You can start then using his other Mirror of Equity abilities. So for example, you can use Mirror of Equity Acuity to further increase his modifier as well as recover your MP. So he even has MP sustain built into his kit. You can use his other Mirror of Equity Disorder, again increasing the modifier and now giving him also HP and MP. Like this guy is just a sustained monster. And then at the end of it all, you can kind of cap this chain with his absolute mirror of equity, which is has a stacking mechanic onto it. And these increased damage modifiers get built into this stacking mechanic as well as his uh, ignore defense. So not going to get too into the details of the numbers, but damn, it gets high. Yeah, uh, you can see why people were excited for this unit. If we never got Esther, she was a total surprise. If, if things went as planned and Axtar came out when we expected him to, he would have blown apart the meta, much like Esther kind of did. So he's definitely a very, very powerful DPS unit. Yeah, it's actually pretty crazy. So we mentioned earlier that he can imbue himself with fire or ice. He also has an ability that then imperils fire and ice by 75%, further increasing his damage capabilities. Like this guy kind of right into his own kit has everything he needs to succeed. Like you don't need a second unit attached to this guy. He can buff himself significantly, way higher than any support I think in today's meta can. He can imbue himself, he can imperil for those elements, and then also just pumps out damage on top of that. Yeah, definitely a very powerful, very self-sufficient DPS unit. He does not need much support to shine. Exactly. And then, if it wasn't enough, he also gets a really good limit burst. So not only does it do a lot of damage up front, it's going to further increase your modifiers to his Mirror of Equity typed abilities by a lot so his absolute mirror of equity can be increased up to five times which is crazy like that's a lot of increase yeah so overall axstar is a fantastic dps unit tons of passives to increase his lb gauge fill rate lots of attack lots of uh, true double hand built in primarily a katana user as i'm sure most people expected this guy is insane yeah, he's, he's definitely a very, very good unit. But people are saying there might be something better. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the, the big surprise for Global. We, along with Axstar, we actually got a Global unique unit, or Global exclusive unit is the proper term. And that is Axstar wearing his armor. <laughs> <laughs> If you haven't played the story up until that point by now, I mean, it's been months. No spoilers needed. Yeah, I'm not worried about spoiling this at all because this isn't even like the previous story update. This was two or three or this was a few months. This was a few months ago. Like it's yeah, been a while. This was, yeah. Zeno of the Beta Star, aka Axstar, wearing a suit of armor, 
is coming at us. He is ridiculously strong from what everyone is saying about him. Yeah, I mean, there's he's he's causing quite a stir in the community. There's people saying he's way too strong. So let's let's dive into it and see how good he is. Let's start from the basics. His TMR, the Obsidian Helm, is the exact helmet you see in his sprite. Which, by the way, his sprite looks fantastic. I love the little red ominous aura surrounding him. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. This Obsidian Helm gives you forty-two attack, twenty defense. And then it also gives you a nice passive, which will increase his MP, which you'll want from multicast. Most multicasting units want extra MP just to not have to sustain as much. And then also gives you that high tide. Yeah, it's definitely very nice. And then the thing to note is that at 42 attack on a helmet, it's, I think, the best TMR for attack. I think the only thing that it actually would lose to is uh the genji helm now i know Prisha's hairpin is around but that's a hat so as far as helms go i think this is very very good yeah uh previously one of the best helmets not including hats strictly helmets was the dragoon helm which i think was a uh atoning dragoon cane tmr or something like that at 40 attack and then no passives yeah. really it gives you a bit of elemental resist but this thing is fantastic for dps users especially ones that want to use their lb gauge it's really really strong his stmr is a ridiculously good katana yeah and the nice thing to note is that it is one-handed so you would be able to dual wield this katana now not only does it give you 180 attack which is massive it also gives you an extra 40% attack as a passive and 75% physical damage against humans. So this STMR is just nuts. It's very, very, very good. Yeah, it's really crazy um, how good that katana is. 180 attack plus all the other extras. And it's single. it's a single-handed weapon, so you can dual wield it, which is significant if you do get four xenos being able to dual wield a katana like this is absolutely disgusting for xeno specifically yeah so let's get into that a little bit actually i'd like to talk about one new thing that they've given him he actually has an innate ability between his tmr and just his passives he can get up to 200 percent equipment attack when dual wielding he is the first unit to be able to break that previous cap, I believe, which was 100%. Yeah. It used to be that true dual wield was 300% and true, or sorry, true double hand was 300%. And true dual wield was 100%. Mm-hmm. And Axtar, with his new passive, increases that cap for true dual wield by 100%. So he can get 200% tr- equipment attack from dual wielding which is amazing. And on top of that, he also gets to increase his chain modifiers up to six times if he's dual wielding. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. The The previous cap for every other unit in the game currently, the cap is four times. For Axtar, or not Axtar, for Xeno, it's six times. That's a massive damage increase. Yep, it's actually ridiculous. It's so huge with chaining type units to be able to do that little bit of extra uh, multiplier on top of all the other multipliers you're going to be adding into this equation. Just by these two things alone, you can already see how strong Xeno is going to be. So the one thing with true dual wield to note 
it's a lot better than it looks on paper because you would think, oh, th true double hand is 300%. So why? what's the big deal about true dual wield getting an extra 100%? So when you think about it, the most attack you're getting out of any piece of equipment is a weapon. So the reason true dual wield was originally capped lower than true double hand is because you can equip two weapons. Imagine having two weapons that are between 150 to 180 attack compared to one weapon and you can all equip the same amount of armor right yep so having that extra weapon actually makes true dual wield give you that much more attack compared to true double hand yeah it's actually crazy how much more it, it is and unbelievable that they released it this early and i think that's why so many people are surprised by this unit not only that he exists but also by what he comes with. Another huge passive, on top of everything we've already mentioned, he auto-casts an ability called Fire Up, or Fired Up, which gives him 200% increased attack for three turns, which is a lot. Like, no support. I don't think there's a single support that gives that much. And he auto-casts it every turn. So literally, if he's alive, he has this passive. And if that's not enough, you think... What else could they possibly give this guy? He also comes with 10% magic and 10% physical mitigation, just passively. That also reapplies every single turn. Yeah, it's ridiculous. This guy literally has everything. He has crazy amounts of innate attack uh, increases, crazy high first unit to have 200% equipment attack when dual wielding, his own innate buff, he mitigates damage. He has a built-in MP refresh. He can dual wield innately. You don't have to equip an extra piece of uh, material or equipment to allow that. He just has everything. Like He's yeah. a perfect unit, you could say. And the nice thing is he's very, very easy to gear. So if you have his TMR equipped, he innately hits the 200% true dual wield cap. So he's going to be coming out with a lot of attack right out the gate. I've seen people easily hit 3k on this guy. If that wasn't enough, he also comes with a free 160 uh, attack, like base attack increase. Uh, so like Minnie was saying, you can kind of get all of your equipment to max out that aspect of his attack increases. So he's, like you said, extremely easy to gear. He doesn't need a whole lot of great equipment or like STMR level equipment to be amazing. He can be amazing with even just basic stuff just because of all the passives he has. Yeah, he's, he's definitely made to be user friendly in that regard. So even a new player picking up two copies of this unit, if, as long as you have his TMR, you're not going to have any trouble building his attack up to high levels. Exactly. Now, in terms of his kit, it's going to function extremely similarly or pretty much the same as Axtar himself. The one big difference is that Zeno only has fire element built in. He has a fire element uh, in peril as well as a fire element imbue for himself. So he's kind of locked into that if you don't imbue him with other elements, of course. Like this is just talking about his own kit. Axtar gets that additional benefit of having a ice element as well. Zeno also comes with a new chaining family uh, that was released with Esther. It's the Bolting Strike uh, chaining family. So he gets that one extra chaining family on top of Axtar as well, which allows him to chain with, if you already have an Esther, he can chain perfectly with Esther. Yeah, it's a very nice little touch because most people 
would have pulled super hard for Esther, not knowing that Zeno was around the corner. And uh, now that Zeno's here, people are going to pull hard for Zeno. So you're going to see a ton of Zenos and Esthers in your friends list. And it's nice that they can synergize together by using the, chain, the same chaining families. Yes, exactly. And to top it off, he also has Oriel Ray, so he can chain with Esther's Limit, Limit Burst, burst yep. if he wants to. <laughs> yep, he can do it all. It's actually crazy. He's, he's basically an upgraded version of Axtar. I want to say he does more damage. Um, the only downside, like you said, is he doesn't have that ice option. He's purely fire elemental. Now, that doesn't mean you can't equip him with a different element of weapon because he is a dual wield user. So your elemental options for equipment are going to be a lot higher than for true double hand. And also, you can there are sources of external imbues in the game now as well. So that's definitely not a massive drawback given all of the extra perks that he brings to the table. And let's talk about some of those extra perks that he has. So Axstar had cooldown abilities that increase modifiers. So Zeno has the same thing. The difference for Zeno is that he has an inc one perfect void, which increases attack by 250% for 10 turns. You use this once, and if you don't get dispelled, you're good for 10 turns, which is crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts. And the fact that even if you do get dispelled, he has a passive 200% increase. So really, you're only getting an extra 50%. Yeah, it's it's nuts. He also gets increased modifiers with this ability, as well as his true mirror of equity cooldown ability, which is only available on turn four. Again, increases modifiers to his mirror of equity type abilities. He also has access to triple cast through that. Um, so he'll have triple cast available pretty frequently as well. Not as frequently as Axtar. So I think that if I'm not mistaken, correct me, Mini, but Zeno gets triple cast a little bit less frequently than Axtar. Yeah, I think you're you're right on that front, but it, it doesn't really matter because he, what do you call it? He just has so much more passive attack that he will still outdo Axstar in terms of damage, despite having less access to triple cast. The triple cast is kind of like a icing on the cake, honestly. Yeah, I don't think you even needed triple cast on this guy. It's a nice benefit to be able to use it for two turns. I think it allows you really to ramp him up very fast over those two turns. So for example, on turn one, if you use both of his cooldown abilities, on turn two, you can start sacking his stacking, his like chain finishing type ability, his obliterating mirror of equities roar, it's called. You can start stacking that up while also stacking more increased modifiers to it specifically. And I mean, he also, the nice thing is he is a dual wield unit, but he does have innately access to double cast. So you can actually pick and choose which abilities of his you want to cast anyway, obviously at a cost of increased MP consumption. But if you don't want to do that, he's very MP efficient with his dual wield style because he's going to cast the same ability twice for the cost of one ability and you don't even have to worry about mp with this guy he has innate refresh plus abilities that can give you 100 mp each cast which is significantly more than almost all of his abilities yeah definitely he's, he's just an insanely good unit i can see why people are wondering if it was the right choice to put him out right now because he is actually, he will do a little bit more damage even than Esther, who already we knew out damages Axtar. So 
it's funny that Axstar kind of surpassed himself on his own banner. Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of hilarious how they did that. I actually wanted to talk a little bit more about that specifically and how this kind of fits into the meta today and what people are saying. But let's finish this guy off. He does have a limit burst, which again, significantly increases his modifiers and then does a crazy amount of damage as well. If I'm not mistaken, Zeno's limit burst, if you are fortunate enough to pull Zeno and Axstar, I'm pretty sure they can chain together. That's what it looks like based on uh, the number of hits. I don't see why you wouldn't make them chain together. That would just be silly. Yeah, it'd be weird. It's 14 hits and they're named extremely similarly. It's almost guaranteed that they would be able to chain. I haven't tested it, so I don't know for sure. Most likely it can, but either way, crazy strong limit bursts. I mean, overall, this guy's doing a crazy amount of damage as it is. I would say he is the highest DPS unit right now. Yeah, and a lot of people are saying that he is going to be the highest for quite a while to come. It seems that way. Unless we get some more global surprises. Which I'm actually kind of liking. So let's talk a little bit about how people feel about the power of Zeno, the unexpectedness of Zeno, and kind of how he fits into the global meta. So a lot of people are concerned that he was he's too powerful, that he's way too strong for today, that pretty much any trial, any boss, anything you'd fight against, espers, whatever, Zeno basically trivializes. Like you he'd probably be able to single-handedly take down anything. Yeah, he is extremely powerful. I just want to say that Esther was already kind of broke the meta and in a way broke the game because you saw a lot of people clearing some of the most difficult content we have today like Asura and the uh, Scorn of Golem and Shiva I think the the two newest trials right and even Gilgamesh Scorn of Gilgamesh you, you throw Esther in there and she's just destroying things with how much damage she does she basically makes most of today's content easy and now we're getting this new unit who's even that stronger is, even stronger than Esther. So I could definitely see why people would think that he's too strong. In my personal opinion, though, if they don't choose to nerf him themselves, I would never call for a nerf because, I mean, it's not like it hurts anybody, right? Definitely. It's not like there's only a limited amount of Xenos and only certain people can get them and they're always going to have the advantage. Like... He's not a limited unit. He's always going to be in the pool. So, I mean, I, I don't mind that he's really powerful right now. It's nice. The one thing I want to say is it's really nice to see that Global can get some nice surprises because we see the future in terms of what's coming for JP, so we kind of plan around that. So I love that they have been dropping nice little surprises to us they're great units and they, they really make you rethink like do I actually want to wait for that unit that's coming or maybe I should just get this guy and now I'm wondering if there's not going to be more of these in the future to kind of give us a fresh experience rather than just being able to see and getting everything that JP does get yeah exactly I mean I don't want I've never wanted global to be exactly like the JP game I'd like to think that it is going to be a different game um not necessarily in the story or like the trials or whatever, but at least in terms of the content we're getting, like Xeno coming in, the meta is going to be different. Things are going to come at us in a way different way. And I really, really like that. I, I think that between Esther and Xeno, 
So I don't know if you heard many, but there's a lot of stuff going on with the JP side. Apparently, like every unit they release is like a limited unit and people are getting quite upset. And so in my eyes, releasing units like Esther, releasing units like Xeno, which are global exclusive, never released in JP, they kind of show that global could be different. You know, that global it can take the game in a different way and do things differently than the JP counterpart. Yeah, I mean, well, time will tell for that. I mean, just because we're getting good units, that doesn't mean they won't be following the same pattern in terms of making certain units limited. Um, for that, I think we'll just have to wait and see. Of course, I'm not saying that it's going to be different. I'm saying that it shows that it can be. So like, yeah, definitely. it's nice to see that they're willing to stray from the path of JP, that it's not all cookie cutter. We can't, we can no longer see the future, so to speak, right? The one thing that is difficult about releasing a unit like Xeno and, and a unit like Esther is that we just don't have enough trials. Like we don't have places where these types of units can really be tested. It's like you go in there, you pretty much one shot most content. So that can be, that can be a little bit, uh, it can make things a little bit boring for some people, I guess, because you're not able to use these strong units, uh, and really test them and like make use of them in a really difficult battle. It kind of trivializes it, makes it a one-turn kind of thing, and you just move on. But I like to think of this as a very positive thing. I love seeing these global excuse exclusive units. I like seeing the meta change and adjust and expand differently than in JP. So I am all for this kind of stuff. I think it's a great show of faith from Gumi to release a unit like this for global. And, you know, give us some love for, they usually give Global a lot of love, actually. But it's nice to see, like, this much, this level of, of love. Yeah, definitely. It's, <clears throat> it's a nice change from the way things started out way back when with some of the banners not being as good as JP's to now where we're getting units that are very, very good. And they're, they're on respectable banners. They're not, like, super troll banners. And then they're not limited units. So even if we don't get them now, there's always a chance that one random 10 plus one or EX ticket or something will pop out one of them, right? They're, they're gonna be around for a while. Exactly. And you mentioned the banners, so we might as well talk about these two units and their banner. They're both coming with a step up. One step up is exclusively for Axstar. So at the end of the step up, you're guaranteed one Axstar. The trick is you can only do this once. On the other step up summon, you can do it four times and you have, you're guaranteed to get either Xeno or Axstar. So it kind of gives you the chance of both. Yeah. So if you really want the just Axstar, you can get him guaranteed by spending a certain amount of lapis. I think it's 2,500 or not 2,000, 2,500. <laughs> exactly. 2,500 exactly two yeah. and you can complete the whole step up. Everyone should have these units. Yeah, everyone. No, no. <laughs> 25,000. My brain just dirt. Yeah, 25,000. Um, and then but you can, the catch is you can only do it once. You can only get one copy that way. And then if you want Xeno, though, you got to actually use the other step up, which can give you Axstar or Xeno, which is kind of funny that Axstar is kind of the troll unit on the banner. Um, he's not a troll by any means. He's extremely powerful. He's way more powerful than anything we have outside of Esther and Zeno. Yeah, it's tough to call but him a just, troll, but 
But it's just kind of funny that next to Zeno, that's kind of what it looks like. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Axtar event, the Axtar banner, and he, he's the weak unit of his own banner. Yeah, basically, which just shows to show how good of a banner it is, I guess. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you got either of these two, you're set for content for a pretty good amount of time. Like, you'll be able to clear almost everything for a decent while. And these banners, thankfully, are following a similar trend to the other ones. So you do have in the step up banner featuring Xeno and Axtar a five star guaranteed ticket on a special summon you can do, which I think is like a 20 or 30% increase to specifically getting Xeno or Axtar. Um, but you are guaranteed a five star, which is nice. It's good value. It's honestly really good value. If even if you get literally no step, uh, no rainbows using this yeah. 24K step up, you're guaranteed to get two. One is Xeno or Axtar, and one is a random guaranteed five-star as well. So this week coming hot with a lot of really strong units. Really fantastic stuff coming to Global. A nice little story event coming out as well, complementing the main story. So a lot to be excited for. Yeah, it's kind of a fun time to be a Global player. We don't really know what to expect now in terms of power creep. So it's... <clears throat> Definitely looking forward to what they're going to do in the future. Yeah, me too. I'm hoping to see some global exclusive trials pop out too. That'd be nice. Things that people aren't really expecting would be pretty cool. Let's get on to the end of the show here, Mini. We're reaching our conclusion. What is your takeaway for this week? Let's hope you thought about it. Yeah, so I guess the takeaway is that global is kind of starting to move in its own direction a little bit in terms of power creep. We used to be a very smooth power curve. And I mean, we've always had our own sort of, I guess, progression because we've had units like Grimlord Sakura, Sophia, you know, things that kind of pop in and smooth smooth out the curve, but never units that really break the meta in the way Esther and Zeno have. So this is kind of new territory for us. And I'm just interested to see the next couple of weeks or the next month and to see where it goes and how they handle the units that are going to come after these two like will they be worth pulling for at all like the next couple banners are we even gonna care yeah exactly um i'm also interested to see how things are going to progress for global and where things are going to go from here because things are uncharted in uncharted territory and it's tough to tell exactly what's going to happen but there's a level of excitement to that yeah it's nice not knowing for once exactly my takeaway on top of that is that apparently if you so choose you can force axstar to wield two weapons using only one hand which i think is insane well i'm assuming his armor gives him not xeno axstar oh axstar so oh, yeah if you give him the dual wield materia he gets like a ghost arm <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> he grows an extra arm when using dual wield so or maybe takeaway. he does have an arm in there. It's just a lot smaller than his main arm. Maybe that's the thing. Ah, uh, grab Because we don't actually see the stump, right? Grab He's my got. Uh, hand. Yeah, it's it's in his coat. So maybe it's just a little bit smaller than the other one, and he's embarrassed by it. But he can still use it effectively. Yeah, probably. He's like, I don't want people to see this, but it's really strong, so I'll just cover it up for now. So that's it for this week, guys. Covered Axtar and Xeno. We went through some of the new content for this week as well with Final Fantasy IV, as well as the Axtar story event. A lot of things to be excited for. A lot of new stuff happening. Tons going on in global. But mainly, we appreciate your guys' ears. 
And with that, we'd like to also ask you, please fill out uh, a little review for us. Give us five stars. Give us one stars. We don't really care. Just fill it out on iTunes if you can. Uh, hit us up on social with any questions or if you need help with anything we're always happy to help yeah couldn't have said it better myself alright guys thanks for listening we will catch you in next week's episode peace let's see you next week peace